Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. We're in Mark chapter 7, 31 to 37, and the title for today is Spit and Polish. Spit and Polish. Some of you are old enough, Brad and I are old enough, to remember Spit and Polish. So, uh, so we'll talk about that in a few minutes. You're going to see why I use that title in a little bit. Jesus practices here some alternative medicine. If you got the email this week, you know the, the assignment, and you did a little studying on that. He practices some alternative medicine. You've all heard of alternative medicine. That's not when you don't use traditional practices and doctors and medicines. You use something different. Some of it's pretty crazy out there. You know, there's quacks and snake oil salesmen. But some of it's very, very effective. In fact, the American Indians, which I'm part American Indian, they use, they use the roots, and they still do use roots and leaves. And, and for infections, they use the maggots, you know, to eat out the infections and all kinds of uh, very, very effective things. Now, my mom is part Indian, even more than I am, twice as much as me. And she was the queen of alternative medicines. In fact, uh, some of it was American Indian stuff, but, but uh, some of it was her own alternative medicine. And I think I'm still scarred from this. I remember when I first got married, I went to the doctor a lot. And Kim would be like, you know, why do you go to the doctor so much? And she kind of knew the story. It's just, you, you don't need to go for this. This is just, you know an infection or a virus or, or an earache or whatever. You don't need to go to the doctor for that. And I'd go and the doctor would say, this is just an infection, an earache. So Kim's like, see, see, I told you, you don't need to go to the doctor for everything. Your mom just didn't let you go to the doctor enough, did she? And so I had this whole thing. And she didn't because there was no need for doctors. Not when you had veterinarians. I'm, I'm sick, or my arm I, might be broken. That's no problem. She'd walk over to the cow fridge. In the barn, we had this old refrigerator. It wasn't plugged in. It was just had all the cow medicine in it. And, and she'd say, here, take this. Use this. I'd be like, no, that's cow medicine. I know you got that from the vet. You know? So what? It's the same stuff as the doctors use. It's just a lot cheaper. You know? It's the same stuff. And, uh, and oh, I was like, uh, I just remember this one time. There was a, my arm was hurt. I, I was worried it might have even broken. It was all swollen up. And she said, here, here, use this. You don't need to go to the doctor. She had this black goop stuff, you know, real goopy, stinky black stuff that she put on the cows whenever they had something wrong. And I said, I'm not putting that on me. That stuff stinks, you know. And I know that's for the cows. It's not for people. And, uh, and, and she, I said, doctors don't use that. She goes, how do you know? You've never been to a doctor. I'm convinced she would have given me cow pills if she could have done it without choking me. You know, because they're these giant pills, you know, a couple inches long. And we take the cow, and, and, and the cows didn't even want to take them. They're so big. And you hold the cow real tight by the head, twist their head, and you take this plunger, and you put this giant pill in the plunger and shove it down their throat. And, and then while they're holding it, my dad would say, quick, push the plunger. And I, my, our job was to run over and hit the plunger and shoot the pill down into one of their stomachs. And uh, that's, that's, that was our job. I'm, I'm, I think she would probably use that on us if she could could have done it without, you know, choking us to death, you know, without a plunger. She's still at it, still at it. Even with my kids now, I'm always a little nervous about telling her what's going on with the kids, you know. Uh, in fact, a couple years ago, I already told this story about the lice. We got, the lice went through our whole neighborhood and the whole school and everything. And we we're trying to get rid of the lice. And that's not easy with as many kids as we have, right? And, and so we got the lice shampoo, and some of you are itching your head. I can see that. So anyway, it does it, does it doesn't it? So... We got the shampoo, and Kim is an expert at it now, you know, and she got, she's dealing with it. But my mo- I told my mom, yeah, we're just trying to get rid of the lice. And she's like, oh, don't use the shampoos they sell. 
I go, why? Go, oh, they're dangerous chemicals. Don't use them. Don't use them. No, no, no. There's other ways to get rid of lice. I go, well, what do you suggest? Oh, whenever, uh, you know, when, your cousins just got it, and I told them, use kerosene. I go, let me get this straight. There's dangerous chemicals in the shampoo they're selling in the store, but kerosene's not dangerous to soak your head in. Is that what you're telling me, Mom? Yeah. And, uh, that, that's just, this is what I grew up with, all right? So if you ever... You know, if, you, if I seem a little weird sometimes about medical issues, now you know why. Anyway, uh, wait till you see what Jesus uses for alternative medicine here. Wait till you see what he uses to heal someone. Now, just a quick review. He's been fighting with the Pharisees, and he's been teaching them lessons. They focus on externals. He's saying, no, it's not about externals. It's about the internals. Uh, the internal, it's about the heart, the heart issue. And he heals a Gentile woman's daughter. Remember, he cast a demon out of her to make a point. It's not about religion, it's about faith. Okay, if you weren't here for the last couple, get the CDs or listen to the podcast. Follow along because it all builds on each other. And now he uses another Gentile's healing to make another point, to make a stab again and jab again at the Pharisees and their false religion here. Before I read it, let me pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for this communion Sunday and preparing for it through the worship and through the word. And now we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. You know where we are, what we're struggling with, what you're trying to do in our life, what you're trying to accomplish in our life, how you're trying to bring us to spiritual maturity. We pray that your Holy Spirit would take your word now and speak to every one of us. Our hearts would be open. Our ears would be open. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's read it here. Mark chapter 7, starting with verse 31. The healing of the deaf and mute man. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ear. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to them, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were open, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. The people were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Wild passage here. Wild, wild passage. You talk about alternative medicine, right? This is alternative medicine. They, they're in the, the area of the Decapolis, which means ten cities. It was a ten-city region. It was all Gentile, almost all Gentile. This story is only told in Mark. The only place we find this story is in Mark. Who is Mark writing to? Gentiles. He's writing to the Christians in Rome, the Romans. And he, Decapolis was known as a uh, very heavily populated by Rome. In fact, it was so Rome that uh, these people, would, the, right, the people he's writing to would know it very well. It was considered home away from Rome for the Romans. It was just a huge Roman area. And so Jesus is continuing to make a point that God has a plan for the Gentiles, which is good news for us as Gentiles, right? And he has a deaf mute man here is brought to him for healing. And he uses some very strange healing techniques, doesn't he? First of all, he puts his fingers in the guy's ear, which, you know, you would think, okay, the guy can't hear. That's not going to help hearing, right? But why? Why did he stick his fingers in his ears? He's going to heal him because the man couldn't hear. Jesus is going to speak 
his healing in just a minute. He's going to pray and, and, and command him to be healed. He's going to speak that, but could the man hear that? No. All he could feel was the touch. He could only feel the touch. Very, very important. Jesus knew he wasn't going to hear him, but he could feel the touch where he, where he was hurting, where he was hurt, where he was wounded, where he was crippled, really, his hearing. That's where he touched him. And then he also touches the tongue for the same exact reason. The man can't hear, the man can't, can't, but he can feel the touch on the tongue. But first, he spits on his hand and then he touches the tongue. Pretty gross, huh? Why would Jesus do that? Well, in the Jewish Greek culture of this time, spittle was considered to have healing properties. It was like medicinal. Uh, it, was, it was considered that, think of a mom's kiss today, you know, somebody, you know mom kisses whatever is hurt, you know, dad doesn't help, doesn't do anything for him, mom kisses, it's all better, they stop crying, right? So they, they thought of spit, of certain holy men as having a healing power, and Jesus knows it's not the spit that's the power, but he's letting the guy know, I'm going to heal you, he's sparking his faith in expectation, letting him know he's going to treat you and heal you now. Then Jesus prays. And look what he starts his prayer off with. A deep sigh. Why do you think he went, painful, deep sigh? Why do you think he did that? Because of the sin. Because of the effect of the sin. Because of the pain and sorrow that the the human race, and this man was a picture of, the, the, the pain and the sorrow that we experience because of sin. Everybody's like, where did the evil come? Why does God allow evil? Why does he allow pain and suffering? God allows us to have free choice. And we have chosen as a human race to sin. And we have chosen that. And now we have to deal with the consequences. It'd be like someone saying, uh, being warned, don't go over into one of these countries where they're struggling with Ebola so much and not listening. I'm going to go there. I want to go there. I heard it's fun there. You know, and they're having, they, they've got a great party scene there. And they go there and they get the Ebola. And, and that's what a picture of what we as a human race have done. We were warned not to sin. We were warned to stay away from this. And now the effect is something much worse than the Ebola. It's, it's the sicknesses and death itself. So he starts off with that sigh because he feels this, this deep compassion and the sorrow and pain of sin. And he says, Ephatha, I say it different every time. I have no idea how to really say it. So uh, the Aramaic, um, that's Aramaic, and it means to be opened. Why would, he use, why would he translate Aramaic? Because he's speaking to Romans, right? And he's speaking to Romans, and he's translating for the Roman readers. And it means to be open. And as soon as he says this, Jesus instantly healed the man. The man could hear, and he could talk. And then Jesus says something very interesting. The guy can finally hear. And what is the very first thing he says to him? Well, in the Greek, it, it's, uh, the Greek word is shut up of your mouth. I'm kidding. That's a, is that Italian? I, he, said, he says, don't, he says, says, he tells him, shut up of your mouth. He says, you're not allowed to tell any. The first thing the guy hears is, you can't tell anybody what just happened. Crazy, isn't it? Why? Well, we've talked about the messianic secret, but there was also something even more important here. And that is Jesus, his main goal in life, his purpose in ministry was to teach people spiritually, was to heal people spiritually. But, as soon, but he also had this, this compassion so he would heal people too. But that wasn't his main purpose. His main purpose was to heal people spiritually. Because even if he heals them physically, what are they going to do someday still? Die? But when he heals them spiritually, will they ever die? Never. 
Even when they physically die, they will live forever. And that's his number one goal is to heal people spiritually. But as soon as somebody knows there's, there's physical healing, what do they focus on? Physical healing. What do people, what do we really focus on? What are we going to eat? How are we going to fix this? How are you going to heal me? That's what the people are constantly focusing. There's, nothing's changed. We're just like that today, right? God's trying to do all these amazing spiritual things in our life. And we're always saying, God, heal me. Give me this. Give me that. Give me this. You know, that's what we're constantly asking him for. And he's using the struggles that we're going through to heal us spiritually, to grow us spiritually. And so that's why he tells the guy, don't tell anyone, because he wants to keep the focus on the spiritual. And he knows once the word gets out, they want to be fed. 5,000, 60, you know, they have a lot. everybody wants to eat more and more and more. And that's why he keeps, he, he's trying to always keep the focus on the spiritual. But they didn't listen. He went out and told everyone. They told everyone. They didn't listen. They couldn't help themselves. I know, uh, I, I got a kind of picture of this. When I was born, I was born and my tongue was stuck to the bottom of my mouth. There was a piece of skin. Some of you have heard of that. The tongue was actually stuck to the bottom of my mouth. And the doctor told my mom, he said, we're going to have to do something. So right, right as soon as I was born, they took scissors and they snipped the skin to let my tongue loose. My mom told me many, 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 many times, why did I ever let the doctor loosen that tongue of yours? Why didn't I leave it like that? After she hears this CD, if my dad lets her hear it, she's going to say it again. What is he making fun of me? I'm doctoring you. So, yeah, she, but many times my mom said, why did I let you do And Jesus must have felt the same way. Why did I open this guy's mouth? Now I've got a whole crowd following me, not just for the spiritual, but for the physical healing. But they couldn't help it. They couldn't keep quiet. The Bible says here they were overwhelmed. They were with amazement. Think of shock. They were in shock. A good thing. They were shocked. These Gentiles got something that the Jewish Pharisees missed because they had closed their ears. There's no accident that he heals the guy's ears right after the Pharisees wouldn't listen. He's showing them something. You, you Pharisees aren't listening to me. You, the Jewish religious leaders aren't listening to me. But these Gentiles, I'm going to open their ears. And they will listen. And they got it. They, they knew that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the Christ. There was a huge messianic expectation, not just with the Jewish people, but the whole Middle East at this time, all of Palestine, was a huge expectation. Someone's going to come and solve this mess. The Romans were these horrible, oppressive people. They were crucifying people all over the place all the time. You know, just would kill whoever they want, rape the women. Just You see what's going on over with, with ISIS and the Middle East. That was the Romans. They were doing it all the time to the entire world. The whole world was under this oppression. And there was a messianic expectation. Someone's going to come and, 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 and save us and solve our problems. They're waiting for that. And, and the Gentiles knew that these, the Jews had a Messiah coming, and they were looking for him too. Remember the woman last week? What did she call him? Son of David. She knew that he was the Messiah. That's a messianic term. She knew it. And, and they were waiting for this Messiah. I don't know if you've seen the latest Hobbit movie, uh, Desolation of Smog. When they get to uh, the lake, what's the lake town called? Uh, the lake town. Anyway, they get to the lake town and, and the, the, the dwarves show up and this 
whole area has been under like the, the shadow of the dragon and, and they never recovered the last time he toasted their village. And they were so excited that, that, that the king under the mountain was here. Remember? Because, because they knew what the prophecies, that the, the, the king under the mountain would kill the dragon and give them all gold. Gold would flow like, like rivers down the mountain to them. And, but, uh, but first they had to come to the battle with the dragon. They were in for a shock, weren't they? But there was that expectation. They were so excited that the king was there. And that's a picture of what there's a lot of spiritual pictures. The whole Hobbit was written spiritually. We know that, Lord of the Rings. But that's really a picture of what happened here. They're waiting for the Messiah. And they couldn't wait. He was going to defeat the dragon, Satan. And he was going to bring them many, many blessings. That was a picture of it. And just to connect, just to show you how much Mark was making a point, the Holy Spirit was making a point through the writer Mark to show that these people did get that he was the Messiah. Mark uses an extremely rare word for the word here for mute. When he calls him mute, the word he uses is very rare. It's only used twice in all of Scripture. Here, and then it's used again in an Old Testament passage. Now, we know this is Greek, so he couldn't use that. But what happened is the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew, most of the Jewish people at this time could no longer read the Hebrew, speak the Hebrew. They were speaking Aramaic and Greek. And they would read the Greek. And so what would happen, what happened is they made a Greek Old Testament translation. It was called the Septuagint. The Septuagint. And it was translated from Hebrew into Greek. And that's what most of the people here were using. And when they translated Isaiah 35, 5 to 6, they used the same word that Mark uses here for mute. In fact, let's read it. In Isaiah 35, 5 and 6, there's only two places this word for mute, mute is used. Mark 7 and Isaiah 35. And listen to what it says in Isaiah 35, 5 and 6. It's a messianic prophecy. Then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. That same exact word translated in, in the Greek Septuagint is the same word that Mark uses. It's the only two times used in Scripture. And the Holy Spirit's making a point. This is a, a, a messianic fulfillment. This man couldn't help it. He was announcing the Messiah. He couldn't help it. How about us this morning? Do we get it? Are our ears open? We're all like this man, aren't we? Starting out, we're all scuffed up and, and beat up by sin and by Satan. And we need Jesus Christ's spit and polish. I remember back when we used to use spit and polish on shoes. We didn't, that was a common thing back then. You put a little spit on, you polish it, and that's how you took care of your shoes. Uh, <clears throat> we all are like that. We're pretty beat up. We're scuffed up. We're messed up. And we need Jesus Christ's healing touch, that, that spit and polish. You're not a Christian yet. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. We need Jesus Christ. You need Jesus Christ to touch you. You need that, that spit and polish from him. And the only way to get that is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. There has to be a time in our life when we say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. He died on the cross for me. He rose again for me. And I put my faith in him. I repent of the sin. I repent of the old life. I, re- I ask you to forgive me. And I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. There has to be that time. And that's when we receive the touch of Jesus Christ. And he can transform us. He can heal us like he did this man. 
Maybe you're already a Christian, but God is calling us to touch somebody, to touch someone right where they're hurting. Many people have trouble hearing the gospel, don't they? They can't hear it. For whatever reason, they can't hear it. Maybe something bad happened. Maybe they got burned out. Maybe they've just been taught the lies for so long. They've been turned against it, but they can't hear it. Until they feel our compassionate touch. It's when we have our eyes open and we're looking for that person to touch. With that compassion, the same compassion that Jesus has. That's when people's ears open, don't they? When they experience that touch. And there's people all over that. Really, maybe we don't even feel like getting near. And maybe they're there for a reason that God wants us to touch their lives. Maybe as, maybe as Christians, we still need the spit and polish. <laughs> we still do. I would say, we still need the spit and polish, don't we? Maybe we're still getting beat up. You're, maybe you're in a really tough struggle right now and, and wondering if God really cares. Does he really care? Yeah, he sighed for that guy. He peeled that guy. But does he care about me? I'm going to connect some very encouraging dots for you here before, as we lead into communion. When Jesus prayed for this deaf mute, he did so with a deep sigh. It was his compassion. That was showing his love for this, this deaf mute. He was showing that. There's another place where that word is used, several different places, but one key place that it's used. This is a verb here in Mark chapter 7, but it's used in the noun form in Romans 8, 26 and 27. If you want to turn to Romans 8, 26, 27, or if you, I'll have it up behind us on the screen here. But listen to what it says here. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Let that register for a minute. But you see what the Spirit, the groans, it's the same word, it's a noun form of what Jesus did for the man in Mark chapter 7, the deep sigh. It's the same word, it's the same picture here. The Holy Spirit is praying for us the same way that Jesus prayed for this man. Same way. When Jesus rose from the dead, when he, after he died on the cross, he rose from the dead after three days. Forty days later, he ascended into heaven. But he promised he was going to send somebody, and he did. He sent the Holy Spirit to come down upon us. And when you put your faith in Jesus, the, the, the moment you say, God, I believe Jesus died for me, I put my faith in, in, G, in, in Jesus, I, I ask you to forgive my sin, and I'm trusting Jesus to forgive me and give me a new life. The moment you do that, the Holy Spirit comes into you. He's inside. And your life is never going to be the same. He lives inside of us. Now get this, you might be under total attack today. You might be under going through persecution. You might be struggling in your marriage or your family. You might be struggling with your job and finances. You might have a serious health struggle. You might be depressed. You might be battling temptation. Like this is never going to stop. And probably will never stop, by the way. But it's never going to stop. But you might be at the end of your rope ready to give up. You don't even know what to pray for anymore. I prayed for this so many times, battled this for so long. You don't even know what to pray for anymore. But you know what? The Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit does know what to pray for. Just pour out your heart to God. No words are even needed. 
No words are even needed. Just cry out or just cry because the Holy Spirit will do the rest. He knows exactly what to pray for. He knows exactly what God's will is for us. You know why? Because he's God's spirit. He's God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He knows exactly. And he's working together with God. And, and, and Jesus, who's still at the right hand of God, of God now, interceding for us. We're going to look at that in just a minute. The three of them are working together to, to bring us to maturity in Christ. To bring us to fulfill the purpose in our life. To get us ready for life in heaven forever. There's got a lot of work to do, right? And, and he knows exactly what to pray for. And the end result of the Holy Spirit groaning for us, doing what Jesus did for this man, the end result is Romans 8, 28, the ne- very next verse. What an encouragement. And we know that in all things, all things, no matter what you are going through, no matter what you've done, no matter what mess we make, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose god is working for our good in everything everything he's working it all for our good and you you might not even understand how he could possibly work this for good but he's doing it it's a promise in scripture and the holy spirit is the one praying for it he's groaning for us he's got that compassion for us and because that we are guaranteed victory understand something if you are saved by faith if you're living by that faith and you're keeping your faith, we are guaranteed victory. Guaranteed. Just like this man was guaranteed healing, we are guaranteed that God is going to bring us to that place where we're healed. Not just physically. Oh, we love being healed physically. We love the physical healings. But spiritually prepared for heaven. In fact, let's look go a few more verses up. Verse 31, Romans 8. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we face death all day long we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered sounds just like isis in the middle east doesn't it it was a reality then it's a reality now and it's a reality in the future read the book of revelation but look at this verse 37 no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are guaranteed victory. God gave his only son for us to die for us. And if he gave his son to die for us, we know he'll graciously give us everything else that we need. Anything that's for God's good purpose, he will give us. It's a promise in the scripture. And Jesus is sitting right next to God on his right-hand side. And he's interceding for us. Guess what? who's interceding for us? It's not Mary. It's not the saints. It's no one. It's no one who's died. It's only one person who's died and come back to life. Jesus Christ is sitting at God's right hand. And he loves us. 
And he's the only one we need to pray through. That's why we pray in Jesus' name at the end of every prayer. In Jesus' name. Because he's interceding for us. He's the one mediating for us. He's right there. And, 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 and he's whatever's for our good. The Holy Spirit and Jesus are working together with God the Father for our good. And he loves us. That's very, very important. We don't need a saint or a Mary to, to be the loving person. Jesus loves us. He loves us. And that's the whole point. It's all about his love. That's what guarantees our victory. That's what guarantees God's best for us. God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they love us. And we see that love in Jesus Christ. He loves us. He's not out there trying to squash us. He's not out there trying to punish us. He's not out there, you know, sending down lightning bolts every time we mess up. We'd all be roasted, you know, on the way here probably. But he's not doing that. He's trying to bring us to good. He's trying to accomplish his good in our life. He loves us. Romans 8.37, I'm going to read it again. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's all about God's Love. He loves us. That's why we live for him. Because he loves us. That's why we don't sin even though it looks so attractive. Because he loves us. Don't go near that Ebola, that spiritual Ebola. Stay away from it. It's going to hurt us. He tells us that because he loves us. It's all about the love of Jesus Christ. Only one thing can separate us from the love of God. Only one thing can separate you from God's love. Guess what? You. You. You're the only one that can separate you from God's love. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He loves us. And if we put our faith in Jesus, we can experience that love and we can experience eternal life. There's only one thing that can keep you from that. You. Verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Will you accept or reject Jesus Christ? Only you can keep yourself from receiving God's love. And as a Christian, too, maybe we've already put our faith in Christ, there's only one thing that can keep us from victory. Do you understand that? Only We are guaranteed victory. Only one thing can keep us from that victory. You. <laughs> we are the only one that can keep us from victory. It's been guaranteed. God's working for it. The only one that can stop that is, is us. If we don't stay close to God, if we don't live in the Holy Spirit, if we don't keep living by faith, if we don't re- obey Him, we stop the good purposes He's trying to accomplish. He's going to still get us into heaven. But do you want to get into heaven, you know, win victory? Or do you want to just, you know, get in by the skin of your teeth? We are the only ones. And that's what communion is all about. Communion is a reminder to stay communing with God, to stay connected with God, stay close with God. How do we need God's touch today as we go to this communion? Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus yet. That's the step you have to take, that faith of receiving that gift. Or maybe you're, as a Christian... We just need to cry out to him today. 
and say, God, whatever you need to do to bring me to spiritual maturity and just cry out to him today. As we go to communion today, what it is, is is the bread represents the body of Christ that he gave on the cross. The grape juice represents the blood of Christ, which he shed for us on the cross. It's a reminder that he died on the cross for us. And what we do is in a little bit, we just have some music playing, some worship music playing, and you just come up and, and take, take the bread, take the cup, and you can take it back to your seat and take it by yourself. You can take it with someone else. However you feel that it's between you and God, there's no right way or wrong way. It's the, the key is remembering it's the body and blood of Jesus Christ. The only reason we shouldn't take it is, number one, if we're not a Christian yet. It's just for if you've definitely put your faith in Jesus and you know you've done that, if we're a Christian and there's some sin in our life that we're not willing to give up, then we shouldn't take the Lord's Supper. Does it mean that we can't that we can never sin? No, no, no. But if there's something that the Holy Spirit's convicting us of, and we're and it's not something we, I'm not saying we say, God, I, I'm sorry, I did that. Please forgive me. That's good to go. But if there's something you're like, God, I'm not giving this up. I don't care what your word says. I don't care what you say. I don't care what my spiritual friends are telling me. I'm not giving this up. We shouldn't take the Lord's Supper then because we're taking it in an unworthy way. But I hope that every person here does put their faith in Christ today if you haven't. And everybody does surrender something to God. Whatever it is, we surrender that today. Whatever that is. And, and you're able to take the Lord's Supper. But if not, it's okay. Just nobody's wait till next month. But I hope that we, we all can. That's between you and God. The only one who can stop you is you. <laughs> God wants us to commune. He wants to commune with us. He wants to be close with us. And not just this morning, but every day. This is just something to prime the pump. He wants to commune with us every day. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe here today you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You know that if you were to die and stand before God... At this moment, you would be under God's wrath, not under his love. Because you haven't put your faith in his son, Jesus. You haven't surrendered your life to him yet. But you don't have to remain in that condition even one second longer. Right where you're sitting, you can pray the prayer of faith. You can begin communing with God right now. Just say, God, please forgive my sin. I repent of everything I've ever done that goes against your word and your will for my life. I repent of it. I ask you to forgive me. I'm putting my faith in your son, Jesus. He died for me. I believe he died for me. He rose again from the dead for me. I put my faith in him, my trust in him, my hope in him. And I'm going to follow Jesus. I give you my life, God. I'm going to follow him. If you've prayed that prayer, or if you do pray that prayer, then the Holy Spirit is in you now. Something radical has happened. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you right now. And you can talk to God any time now. Because no matter what you pray, the Holy Spirit's going to take it and, and, and work in you to, to accomplish something beautiful in your life. God's perfect purpose in your life. I want to encourage you to let somebody know if you've taken a step of faith. Maybe you came with a friend or family member. You could tell me on the way out or fill out the card, stick in the box, text, call. Let somebody know. 
especially me, because I'll be excited and want to encourage you in your new relationship with God. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ during this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? What, what do we need to cry out to him for? What area of our life needs to be touched? Or maybe who is God calling us to touch? Father, we invite your Holy Spirit. We ask your Holy Spirit to speak to us now as we go to this communion time that your Spirit would touch our hearts in a special way, that our lives would never be the same because of your touch. We pray that in Jesus' name.